0: Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week, it is episode 45. Our guest is Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation. I hope that everybody has been staying hydrated and playing it safe out there because it's been over like 110 degrees. Man, it's a hot one, isn't it?
1: Oh, it sure is. Yeah, I was checking geothermal earlier this week and there's been a couple of days where North Texas has been one of the hottest places on earth.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, well, here I d- you know, I always said that Dallas should be seated over to Oklahoma and we should just be done with it. And that this just further confirms my position. <laughs> Agreed. I live in Fort Worth.
0: I remember growing up out near Fredericksburg and I'm reminding people, like, did y'all forget like the mid 90s when it got to be like 120 degrees? Did you forget that? Because I sure the hell didn't. <laughs> I remember leaving uh, where, you, man. those little football kickoff tees. I remember leaving, one outside, and I came back playing with friends, and the think had melted into the ground. And it was like,
2: <laughs> no, I remember the, the rubber seals around my my nineteen eighty eight Ford Tempo all m- melted together, and I couldn't even get the door open. Yeah, yeah we my dad had, had to get a box cutter. And we have people's like
1: recycling and like trash receptacles that you you know you put out at the drive. We have them melting here in, in North Texas. Wow!
0: So, well, welcome to the show, Jay. We thank you for giving us your time. I want to start off asking you—you're obviously with the Texas Hemp Federation. Um, give us some background about it. you, like how you got into this.
2: So, I—I uh, I have been a public affairs professional most of my career. I started working in the Texas Capitol in 1988, and have held, had held you know numerous um, uh, menial positions. I was a tour guide and a messenger. I worked in the Senate district office for the uh, then dean of the Senate, Senator Chet Brooks. God rest his soul. He was an awesome guy. Um, Went over to the Texas Lottery Commission during Ann Richards' uh, administration. And then George W. Bush won, and it was time for me to leave Texas and go to Washington. Uh, I then connected with uh, a now-defunct law firm, Bell, Boyd & Lloyd, which was uh, headquartered in Chicago, where I by pure luck, uh, connected with uh, a former uh, head of the Justice Department's Criminal Division. Interesting guy. I'll tell you the story some other time. But suffice it to say that he was uh, left in charge of the Criminal Division at 32 years old uh, when all of the attorneys general above him resigned because of a little thing called the Watergate. Interesting point. My former boss is one of the architects of what we now call the War on Drugs, uh, as a House and Senate Judiciary Committee uh, counsel, he helped to craft the legislation that created, uh, or that rap- uh, vastly increased penalties on marijuana possessions, uh, possession. You know, put a uh, a stop to medical research on marijuana, um, and you know some other bad stuff. He also was uh, involved with uh, the militarization of the police. But when I met him and went to work for him. We had some really interesting clients including one called Star Scientific that held a a patent to reduce the carcinogens in tobacco. And so where I am now is uh, is a how that 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 one uh, engagement has morphed from uh, harm reduction technology for tobacco to harm reduction technology in vape to what I would consider to be harm reduction in hemp derived cannabinoids. So that's a, that's me in a nutshell.
0: In a nutshell. I'm very in a nutshell. One of the shortest to sweet and most of the point descriptions I think we've had on the show so far. I'm really, I'm really, I'm taken back by it. It's usually not that precise. It's you're dead on, man. I like how you, you well, know yourself, you, know thyself.
2: I, you know what I, I talk, I can talk about myself to my wife. I'm here to talk about the legal hemp industry in this state and the threats we're under and how we're going to win.
0: So tell us about the Texas Hemp Federation.
2: So um, right before COVID hit us, um, everybody, or I should say, all of the stakeholders in the Texas Vapor Coalition were beginning to transition into hemp. At the time, uh, smokable flour and CBD were really the only two, only two products on the market. But I was hearing that uh, companies were doing a lot of business in pre-rolls and you know little, little uh, uh, plastic jars of hemp flour. And uh, vapes hadn't quite hit the market yet. The research that I had read about described how CBD in particular was offering relief from a lot of conditions that a lot of people I know have. Um, My wife has rheumatoid uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, I have neck and shoulder pain. Uh, My mom has uh, a chronic inflammatory disease. You know, I'm 52 years old. Everything kind of starts to creak a little bit around my age. And you sort of feel uh, the mileage, so to speak. Uh, well, this is this is a whole lot better than using Tylenol, which can be toxic if you take too much. I had a really good friend die of uh, liver failure because she did not have health insurance and couldn't get uh, prescription drugs. And so she took Tylenol.
0: Oh, yeah, stuff will um, destroy your gut.
2: It, it absolutely did. Uh, the poor thing. She had a double transplant and she still couldn't make it and her name was Misty Miller and she was just lovely from New Braunfels. Um, that's, a, uh, I digress. Um, I thought to myself, well, what if these cannabinoids are the solution or could be part of the solution to this raging epidemic of, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Oxycontin addiction? Uh, I'm, I'm not getting the word right. Opioid addiction. Opioids. Thank you. Thank you. I've got long COVID up here going on. Um, because I also have been a fraternity advisor at the university of Texas for a really long time. And, you know, we started seeing students, um, buying opioids, uh, as a party drug, which is, you, you wouldn't think so, but that happens. Um, and, and, also, a lot of like, I'm from Pasadena, Texas. A lot of guys I grew up with are working class guys, uh, you know, work in the refineries and the, the paper mill and the chemical factories or do something physical and they get injured and, um, you know, they hurt their back or their neck or, or a knee. And the first thing the doctor's going to give those guys or used to give those guys was Oxycontin um, and they get addicted. And some of those guys end up, you know, moving on to something else when they can't get the Oxycontin. So tramadol, I I,
0: I know of tramadol, tra- tramadol, because I've got RA and that's the first thing they tried giving me for my joints was tramadol. And it was like, no, no, get right. me off this.
2: It, it's good for the pain, but it's not going to do anything with the inflammation. And that's what, that's what Delta nine and Delta eight and some of the other uh, cannabinoids can do for you. Um, as we know now, when we When we created the the federation, that was sort of a promise. So, COVID happens. uh, We come back in the next legislative session. Delta eight had taken off, and many of the Texas based manufacturers, especially of vapes, were growing by five x and ten x and twenty x, and they were they're making money. Uh, Some of them, real money for the first time, and they're they're leveling up their companies and bringing in executives from other fields uh, to help run the companies. And like when when most of these guys started out, like in the vape space, there were just a bunch of scrubs wearing hoodies and flip-flops. Um, and now um, they have real, real corporate uh, offices and, and you know people with MBAs behind their names who can help them run the companies and CO, COOs and CFOs uh, and chief marketing officers. So the, the potential loss of Delta 8 uh, could have been just devastating to the industry, you know, not just the manufacturers, but also our distributors, and also, I think, especially our mom-and-pop retailers. Uh, Senator Charles Perry from Lubbock, as you guys know, but I'll tell the audience, uh, is the chairman of the Senate Water, Agriculture, and Rural Affairs Committee. Legal hemp is in his jurisdiction because House Bill 1325, uh, two sessions prior, which was the the bill that conformed to the federal farm bill it was supposed to align Texas law with federal law. Uh, is but was part of the agriculture bill. Um, I would argue that this belongs in the Health and Human Services Committee. But um, Senator Perry's got it in his, and really his position is, has been remained the same. I got to give him points for consistency. He's from Lubbock. He's um, I, I think a pretty deeply religious guy. He doesn't like things that get people intoxicated because he's probably seen what addiction can do to people. Um, you know, there are folks out there, and I, I've heard this and I've observed this, you know, that he, does, he, want to have, he doesn't want anyone to have any fun, and that may be true, but he also has a point. My point is that, so far as we know, uh, when an adult uses these products uh, as they're intended to be used, they're not really addictive, and they offer such therapeutic benefit that uh, strangling – have in its cradle, which is what he wanted to do, would be a real um, a real disservice to the community. In Texas, fully a quarter of our population don't have health insurance and maybe another quarter cannot afford um, health insurance. So the first quarter doesn't have health insurance because they're so poor. And Texas was a state that did not expand uh, Medicaid. Those people can't go to the doctor. They go to the emergency rooms when something's really bad. That clogs up the system. That's a whole other topic. The other, the other tranche are working for people um, who either have really crappy health insurance or just cannot afford uh, to go to the mer- medical marijuana um, uh, dispensaries. You know, you've got to you've got to go to the right doctor, and there are not a, a lot of them. And you got to go to the right dispensary and pay a lot of money for what I know now is, has been, not not the case today, really crappy stuff. And when we can provide something better, um, what has happened is that puts us at odds with the teacup program. And I think Senator Perry uh, even said that, that he didn't want anybody competing with teacup or, or the medical marijuana program in Texas because they had it locked down so tight, "quote in quote, meaning in Texas, uh, the conditions uh, are actually enumerated by law in the statute. Other places, the the health agency, like like Dishes in Texas Department of State Health Services, would conduct a review with with you know scientific and physician input and develop that list. So, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic pain, other things that you would think um, medical marijuana would be uh, used for, um, aren't. Uh, And Senator Perry said the reason that he didn't want chronic pain in the last bill was that he, he thinks that that could easily be faked. So that is his attitude going in. He started the hearing at last uh, at the uh, like early May of the last session with a box of uh, hemp tiles, flooring tiles made from fiber. And he said, this is the only thing. This is the only thing the legislature, as though he speaks for the whole legislature intended when we passed hospital 1325. Now I know that's not true. I know it's not true. Um because I was working that session. I talked to people about it. It wasn't it wasn't my only issue, but it was important. Um and so I paid attention that he's from an agricultural area. I get that there's a lot of promise for the use of hemp fiber uh in building materials and clothing, you know, all sorts of stuff. But the cannabinoids are, are what the market is looking for right now. Um, and you know I hope the uh, I hope the building industry and, and the the agricultural hemp industry does as well as we do the Texas hemp Federation represents all aspects of the of the hemp industry we've got growers um, both uh, farmers and hydroponic growers um, we've got laboratories we have manufacturers we have distributors we have retailers um, and our goal is to maximize the potential of this plant in any way we can. But um, my personal issue uh, is that there are people in the legislature who don't want the same thing and would like to see Delta 8 and the other cannabinoids uh, banned.
0: Well, we got to get a sponsor break in real quick. Got to break it up here and there. Shout out to the people who are helping cover some of the bills here at the Texas Cannabis Collective. So, that in mind i am jesse williams i'm your host here at the lone star collective podcast i'm joined by co-host austin zam hariri this week this is episode 45 our guest is jay mcguire of the texas Hemp federation we will be right back after our sponsor messages oh
3: Drive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas, from traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own Home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information.
0: Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, delta eat, and merch. For more information on their products quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com.
1: Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri.
0: Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. Man, I'm. it's been heck of a day. I'm joined by co-host Austin Zamhereri. This show is episode 45. Our guest this week is Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation. Man, any way you want it, that's the way you need it. That's the way you get it, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, so- kudos.
1: Kudos to the Van Halen intro and then
2: now Journey, like stacking up. I mean... <laughs> this playlist is straight fire tonight. Was you who picked it out? <laughs>
0: Hi. So Austin, I know um we were talking beforehand um I know it's on your mind is about the work the Hemp Federation has done with uh Sky and Hobs. And uh, see if you if you if you had a particular question you wanted to ask about with that.
1: Well, I mean jay kind of started talking about the legislature and it's funny because, you know, um those of us who actually spend time in that building, a lot of our our paths and our agendas kind of converge and 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 you know we all kind of walk in this this um, crisscross pattern uh, from an advocacy standpoint, and so you know we were there, and, and I just, I know I'm tracking back a little bit, but I know we were there. Uh, I was in the Senate uh, gallery when um, we had a penalties reduction bill that would have mm-hmm. decriminalized up to two ounces of delta nine concentrate. Uh, it was Rep Moody's bill, got a super majority in the House, and upon third reading. We get a pause, you know, past the first reading, past the second reading, third reading. We're like, oh, my God, this is actually This is actually going to make it to it's going to make it to the finish line. And sure enough, mm-hmm. after second reading, in between second and third reading, we have about a 10 to 15 minute pause. We come back. None other than Senator Perry gets on, gets on and tries to uh, and then introduces this Delta Eight Amendment to a penalties reduction bill, effectively adding penalties to a penalty reduction bill. Um Nonsense. and so my I guess my question is is and I I understand Senator Perry is um you know he's a senator out of Lubbock and whatnot but I, I, how how uh, much influence do you think comes from the president of the Senate on this topic
2: the uh, the lieutenant governor in Texas has a great deal of power as you know like compared to other states where many of them it's he's a, just a figurehead in Texas. The lieutenant governor by rule has the sole power of recognition, which means if you're one of the 31 members of the Senate and you stand up holding your microphone, you have to be recognized before you're permitted to speak. That also means you have to be recognized before you can talk on a bill or introduce a bill or an amendment. And so if if the lieutenant governor um, does not want you to speak, um, he can simply not recognize you so that. That, that one rule actually is, is I, I think, uh, having worked in that, in that building and started my career in the Senate, I think that one rule is sort of the basis uh, of Texas lieutenant governors generally of, of their power. So, you know, you'll see that there are commissions where the, the governor gets some appointments, the speaker gets some appointments, and the lieutenant governor gets some appointments. Some of that has to do with our history in uh, a distrust of concentration of executive power uh, that started after the Civil War, um, having to do with a a Northern general who was put in charge of the state uh, during occupation. But I digress. Um, so here's what here's my thought on on the Senate. The Senate is probably going to continue to do more of what you saw. Um, Senator Perry, I think, has not changed his position. Although we're going to try to talk to him and show him some of the evidence and some of the studies that have come out. You know, since a couple of years ago, um, when we get into the session this next time and see if if we can change his mind. Um, And and we'll be talking to the lieutenant governor as well as all of the all of the members, uh, because every member uh, has people who need these products and every member has vape shops and CBD stores. And, you know, some of them have head shops that carry these products. And so it's a constituent issue in more than one way small businesses, and constituent health. I'd like to also say that Delta 8 is heavily um, utilized by veterans. Um, I'm not going to talk about uh, the, the organizations that we're working with because they can speak for themselves and should. But I think that one thing you guys might have noticed in that hearing is that anyone who spoke in opposition to Senator Perry uh, was treated pretty harshly, and, and frankly, he was just a jerk. Uh, it's all of us. And now I've got a thick skin because I've been there before, but you know, the, the small, uh, CBD store owner and small manufacturer not used to that. who happened to be, yeah, no, they're not. And, and also there was a definite element of race going on there too. Um, you know, he, he, he talked to one guy who, uh, whose family owns a lab and, you know, who's studying pharmacology. Cause he thinks this is really important. Um, you know, the dad couldn't be there because he was running the lab or something and said, we have so many employees and we paid this much in taxes. And Perry cut them off and said, well, the cartels pay taxes too. <laughs> contra- contra- yeah, I know. I, I don't know where that came, to- came from. And then, and then something, you know, like the, the people that were there to testify in favor of what he wanted to do. Like one guy got up He was wearing like a really uh, natty suit. You know, like he's he's actually a tailor. Um, It was like a like a 19th century looking plaid suit. I know exactly who you're talking about,
0: but I'm not going to say their name out of respect for that.
2: It was it. No, it was absolutely awesome. And I don't think I could pull it off because I'm too fat, but he looked awesome in it. And he was talking about like he married into a sixth generation uh, Texan family and they own so many acres and they have so much under cultivation. And Perry treated him with great respect. In fact, even came over and shook his hand before he w- walked up to the dais. And afterwards, I was thinking, you know, you shouldn't have to be married into a sixth generation Texas family to deserve to be treated with the civility and respect that the Texas Senate used to be uh, known for. Uh, it, I don't have, didn't have anything against the, the other witnesses, but Senator Perry's discrimination against those other people, meaning us, was very evident. And that's a clue to how he views the industry. Um, and and what, I'm hoping that maybe that's – go ahead.
0: What, what was the term he said during the committee hearing? He talked about the oils and how it was – he was like, this is a byproduct. Like, this is a side thing that just comes out of this, and it's yeah. not the focus.
2: He, he wanted to call it synthetic. Um, as though you know, because K two and spice were partly banned on the on the notion that they were synthetic in the sense they were completely different chemicals that were being brought together to uh, mimic allegedly uh, marijuana. And of course, they didn't. They caused all kinds of problems because they were basically you know being mixed in somebody's basement. Um, you know, maybe with the leftovers from making meth. Who knows? And we we're we have nothing in common with you know that industry our stuff is for lack of a better word squeezed out of a natural plant um and you know cbd is pulled out of it and that is refined into delta eight and some other can- cannabinoids so you know his his scientific grasp is pretty weak um but his ability to um, browbeat people and demagogue issue is is not in question he's really good at it um what? I didn't mean today to become all about Charles Perry, but I'm trying to I'm trying to well, give your audience a sense of what we will be up against. Um, no doubt. And so we killed we killed Sen- Senator Perry's uh, version of the bill died. The The House chairman stuck to the House position and would not uh, cave in uh, to what Senator Perry wanted. And, and God bless um, Tracy King, uh, the representative from Uvalde. Uh, he's, I, love, poor man I love what, is, what he is, said
0: at Lucky Leaf in Dallas about it was that he's like, we had a version of this bill in the House, and everybody in the industry across the board was happy with the language. The farmers were happy. The industrial people were happy. The CBD shops were happy. Everybody was on board with this bill. And all of a sudden, it got manipulated in the Senate, and they tried sending back a bill that nobody wanted in the end, other than a few hands here and there. Of course, I'm not letting that go.
2: Well, you shouldn't. Um, I can tell you there were a couple of um, other trade associations you know, like one man trade uh, associations that uh, got themselves um, in the mix uh, and and really had other interests in mind. That being farmers, and nothing against the farmers. We have farmers in our group. the The thing is, uh, is that Perry basically uh, made it an either or kind of situation for them. Oh, it
0: made a they war. They had to have <clears throat> what's that? Said, it made it a war.
2: Yeah, that made it a war. They were in a position where the farmers needed extra time to leave the plant in the ground uh, before it was uh, tested and harvested. I think I have that right. It was absolutely crucial uh, to agriculture. And Perry was basically saying, well, I'm going to put this Delta 8 ban on here or you're not going to get what you want. So you better help. Um, I'm imagining that's how the conversation well, there was a lot of lot, certainly-
0: feed. Livestock feed was yeah. another thing When they're like, oh, if you want the livestock feed thing, the Delta eight has to be on their band. And it was like,
2: that's right. In fact, the guy in the plaid suit, I think, was talking about making deer feed, um, which I thought was incredibly cool because there's a lot of byproduct or waste that can be used for something really, uh, you know, really great. And also, how how Texan can you be manufacturing deer feed? Um, you know, th- th- that should warm the cockles of every hunter's heart. Gillespie County would eat that up. <laughs> Absolutely. And you'd think those guys up in Lubbock would think the same, but alas, no. So, um, you know, that did start a war and that was really unfortunate because it split the industry, which was exactly what I would do if I were in Senator Perry's position, find a way to break up that coalition. Um, And he was successful at that, but not at getting his version of the bill passed. And so, um, you know, we, we sort of walked away feeling pretty good about the session later on. We got word that dishes was taking a look at banning Delta 8 by rule. That did not seem to go anywhere over the summer and the fall. And then in the fall, um, another another uh, supposed trade association leader sent everyone in the industry a lengthy memo um, saying that he had determined he had determined Delta 8 was illegal. Uh, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff in between there. So Delta Eight is illegal in the first paragraph, and in the last paragraph, it was get rid of all of your inventory, liquidate it. So I called him and I pointed out that if you're, firstly, you, you know, he's not a lawyer; he didn't seem to have consulted a lawyer. But with his background as a journalist, he'd come to that conclusion. Um, I pointed out that saying, you know, if if you were right that Delta Eight was illegal just telling people to get rid of what was on their shelves and in their warehouses would be conspiracy to commit the crime that you're you're saying that you know hemp is illegal. So that that was not a good conversation because we ended up uh, at odds with each other but that will tell you you know how easy it is for industry people to uh, get split from one another. And so Dish has published uh, it's October surprise Partly as a result, I think, of that of that uh, guy's agitation or uh, instigation. Texas Hemp Federation, along with Hometown Hero, which uh, presently holds the the board presidency, Lucas Gilkey. Got to give a shout out to my dude. What what? Um, We fought. What what? (laughs) Um, We uh, together, I I, at his request assembled uh, what we call the dream team. We have awesome lawyers. Uh, David Sergi was our litigator. Andrea Steele of Fox Brown in Houston was our subject area expert. She knows cannabis law inside and out. Our appellate lawyer, Scott Field, former uh, who's a judge on the Third Circuit Court, now in private practice, uh, advised us about what the, uh, what the appeals process should look like. And we have a couple of others uh, involved as well. Uh, Rod, Rod Kite, Ron Kite, who's a sort of nationally known lawyer expert uh, on cannabis, all cannabis matters. And we basically brought this team to the district court. And I think you guys probably saw uh, the the proceedings. Um, The temporary injunction we were seeking was granted on the basis that dishes and the state had failed to provide adequate notice as the law, administrative procedures law in Texas requires. Uh, There were a number of other factors involved. You might have noticed that the uh, deputy attorney general uh Cynthia, I can't remember her last name now. Cynthia was really just laying into me, making it personal, you know. And, and I've always thought that when there's an ad hominem attack in a in a legal case or a, a legislative hearing, that means the other side just doesn't have anything. Uh, and and she couldn't defeat uh, what we had in our uh, evidentiarily and our legal arguments. So the judge didn't even rule. On the substance of the ban or whether Delta 8 was good or bad, she ruled on uh, dishes violating uh, Texas law. And here's the thing. We all think, we all suspect that Senator Perry and maybe the lieutenant governor called Commissioner Hellerstadt at dishes and leaned on him to get this done. And keep in mind, he's an, he's not an elected official. He's an appointed official. Yeah. So he's got to be responsive to well, the we need
0: politics. To, we need to go into our next sponsor break here. <laughs> we I know we could talk about this subject for hours on end for sure and it's a very interesting topic but I know we have a member who's going who's got other appointments that they got to attend to so we're going to we're going to go to our next sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host Jesse Williams. I'm your host here. Austin Zam Zamher- Zam is my co-host this week this is episode 45, our guest is Jay McGuire of the Texas Hemp Federation. We'll be right back after these sponsor messages.
3: Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information.
0: Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com.
1: Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin
3: Zamhariri.
0: Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host Jesse Williams, I'm my co-host Austin Zamhariri joining me this week. This is episode 45. Jay McGuire is our guest this week of the Texas Hemp Federation. How's everybody doing?
2: Wonderful, Loving wonderful. The music, still Golden Earring. What a band!
0: I'm surprised you know that. Like not many people know about uh, Twilight Zone by Golden Earring. They know Radar Love, probably, but not Golden but not but not Twilight probably Zone. N-
2: 1982, maybe, when I was in 7th or 8th grade, they came and performed at the Pasadena Town Square Mall. And, man, that was awesome.
0: Oh, I imagine. When you're in
2: junior high school, you get to see a band like that. So I,
0: love, I love Radar Love and, Gold, and Golden Inner Ring's uh, The Twilight Zone. My wife says that uh, she, she always confuses Twilight Zone with uh, Pink Floyd's Run Like Hell because of the bass lines. <laughs> well, I could see that. I could totally see that. Bass lines are very similar. Austin, what's on
1: your mind before I know you have to head out? Oh, um, I wanted to try. I know that I kind of put put us off on a tangent earlier just because I was so intrigued by the the talk about the, the legislature. Hey, we only got six months until we're there again. Um, That's right. <laughs> so uh, but no, I did want to transition into what you had mentioned earlier, Jesse, which was about the Sky and Hobbs situation that happened in Navarro County. We had Sky and Hobbs on uh, several weeks ago. And uh, just hearing that tragic story of of how the state can can not just the state, but local municipalities can err so, so terribly. And it can really impact people's lives, their life savings, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, and, and kind of how the, the Hemp Federation came in and, and managed that situation. If you can just expound on that for me.
2: I mean I'm glad to um, Jesse was actually the one who pointed out what was going on um, uh, with Hunter, who was the one of the owners who got arrested um, and had felony charges pending against him and the the poor man you know he looks like a young Matthew McConaughey he just looks like a boy scout he's a disabled uh, navy vet um, he's polite he's smart um, and there was just nothing about him that i could imagine would trigger um, a police department looking at him like he was a criminal. Um, and that may be you know me stereotyping, but they do too. And when I met him or I talked to him, his life was turned upside down. Yeah, the, the, the police and the justice system is vested with enormous power. and if you don't have um, aren't represented first off with the right kind of lawyer, not all lawyers are equal or the same. Uh, if you don't understand the justice system, um, you, then you know what's going to happen is you're going to twist in the wind until there's action taken on your case, and that's what happened to Hunter. So I, I took the I I talked to him and I I immediately uh, figured out that there was a real problem with uh, the state's case against him. I took it to David Sergi, and David came to the same conclusion. He's the lawyer; I'm not. Um, and we, we both agreed that we would, A, help Hunter um, because he needed it. You know, I think it was hurting him in lots of different ways, job-wise, family, community. Um, you know, it had to be messing with his head uh, because it would with me. And uh, he and I talked quite a lot. And we, we he talked to David a lot about his case, and, and he and I touched on that, but I really wanted to get to know him. And I wanted him to under, to know – that the Texas Hemp Federation and Jay McGuire, the guy, cared about him because nobody in our industry should be um, uh, oppressed in that way uh, without us standing up. And that's what we did. So we we discovered um, through talking with uh, Hunter's lawyer that the district attorney had sort of dragged their feet on discovery, which is like... they have to give the defense attorney all the evidence that they have that they're going to use against the defendant. Not only did they drag their feet, when they finally responded, they they turned over a corrupted electronic file that was useless. And subsequent requests were, you know, just ignored. Big red flag. So we began to question, where do the samples come from? Um, which laboratories did you send them to? Show us the chain of custody of the samples. Um, And they couldn't. You know, they they basically came in when no one was there. Who knows where the samples came from? Uh, It certainly wasn't one of the hydroponic plants that they were growing up there in Corsicana. Let me point out, these guys had all their licensing from the Texas Department of Agriculture uh, in line, like perfectly um, uh, in line. And they had all of their certificates of um, analysis or COAs from their lab. They had picked seed specifically uh, to come in below 0.3%. They, they researched the genetics. They they researched this for a year. And so that's why it was particularly egregious because probably what we think happened is the police captain up there, it's like muscle memory. He is a drug warrior, man. You know, he, he grew up in that generation of, of police that my old boss, you know, helped empower uh, when, when they uh, ramped up. Uh, sanctions federally, and the states followed. So, in a sense, it's hard to blame them, but but not because they should know better. Because the law the law changed, um, and just because he's he suspected it was an illegal marijuana grow and not a hemp grow, should not have meant that he sent the SWAT team in to destroy everything and then ruin Hunter's life. Um, that it that in itself is a tremendous misuse of state power. Against a, against a citizen. So um, on the basis of the things that we just we just discussed, uh, you know, the, the lack, lack of response to discovery, questions about the chain of evidence, questions about where the sample came from, questions about the lab whose results uh, uh, differed from the COAs, um, you know, Sergi pointed all of that out uh, to the DA. And then the charges were dropped just a few days before Hunter was scheduled to go to trial.
0: So I'm saying with that in mind, with those types of items, what could we possibly be seeing for the future with this case if there is a future for it still for Sky and Hobbs?
2: I I really doubt, um, unless there's additional evidence that's uncovered, I really doubt that the the DA up there in Navarro County uh, would try to bring a case uh, against him. I think that if I were Hunter I would be considering my options um you know perhaps a civil rights case because he did lose everything he 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 lost his investment but he also lost his peace of mind uh and almost lost literally everything he had including you know ultimately his freedom uh all based on I don't want to say a lie but on a non truth um and so uh you know I, if I were in that position, I'd be looking to file a lawsuit. Um, we looked at it not only as a sort of a compassionate use of our time, uh, but also as a test case. We, we don't want to. We don't want Senator Perry or any of the other prohibitionists to be able to refer to a successful prosecution against a member of this industry and use that to validate how they frame us as as you know sort of d- dishonorable business people who have. Mal intent, you know. He Senator Perry compared us to the cartels in that hearing. That'll tell you what he thinks. Uh, we're not. Um, Sky and Hobbs aren't. None of the other businesses that we work with in the Hemp Federation are anything like that. Um, but perceptions change slowly. So um, the test case, you know, Hunter the Sky and Hobbs test case is just one. We've got a, a number of them in the pipeline. There's one fella uh, in uh, Brazos County. Uh, who's been locked up in jail uh, for, he says, uh, possession of a Delta 8 or Delta 9 vape made by one of our one of our members. I won't mention them. And the police and the prosecutor say that it was concentrated THC uh, that was above the the legal limit. And they keep coming back to him, you know, sort of trying to force him to take a plea deal. And he won't. So he finally heard about us and had to write us a handwritten note because he's in jail, uh, and he can't get out of jail. Um, he's got, gotten assigned a public defender, but you know, they've got an enormous workload and they can't spend a lot of time on cases. So um we're looking into it. Uh that's just an example uh where a customer uh has been, you know, basically taken off the street and put behind bars for buying a legal product. Uh, if all the facts that he's claiming here are true, that's the case. Uh, we have to go and vet him and vet the 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 the, uh, the facts before we do anything. But assuming, let's just assume that everything he's saying here is accurate. He shouldn't be in jail, um, and no. we're going to do something about it to to make sure he gets out. Um, be- because, firstly, uh, first and foremost, most importantly, that guy shouldn't be where he is. This is a miscarriage of justice, and. He's a customer who uses Delta-8, presumably for a reason, like stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, inflammation. He's not a criminal, um, and he shouldn't be treated like one. Secondly, if uh, the prosecutors and the police are claiming that a vape that was manufactured by one of my members, uh, it tested hot, we want to know about it, and we want to make sure – uh, that we have the ability to refute that, I am absolutely convinced that the the labs that the state uses um, are not accurately measuring uh, the concentration of delta nine thC uh, and aren't accurately measuring for that matter any other cannabinoids, so you know that's that's another project i'll talk to you guys about later on we We are going to convene a laboratory conference. To try to establish some uh, baselines a and get standards, have a, a, a kind a consortium. of consortium. Well, I, I mean, sort of a, a a standard setting body uh, where you know you can't venue shop for a lab. You know, there are there are uh, sort of uh, disreputable labs. You know, some 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 companies might get a, a sample that comes back hot, uh, and they send it to another lab, and uh, it comes back. Uh, compliant and they're going to go with the c o a that's compliant because they've got all this money invested that that's wrong on so many levels first off, the manufacturer has to know exactly what's in the stuff that they're about to sell for people to ingest bottom line that has to be accurate it's, it's, and it's not just the not just the amount of, of THC. It's it's heavy metals. It's it's bacteria like listeria. It's, there's all sorts of stuff they need and to test for. And what's even
0: worse is I don't think a lot of retailers have really paid attention to the law in Texas. They're the ones who get put on the hook for this in the end. They're yep. the ones the law yep. says that customers and other agencies
2: have to go after if there is a violation. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, surely the manufacturers and the distributors who handle that product will have some repercussions. But, yeah, it's the small mom-and-pop people that are going to pay the the Heaviest price, so the goal there, guys, is to get um, you know as many as many labs as possible in a room together or on a zoom call and talk about uniform methods uh, and uniform um, uh, items that they test for that we can all agree on uh, is complete uh, and can be referred to authoritatively. We don't have that today. And getting back to this case. We don't have that um, on the law enforcement side. They're, they're basically in a position where our labs are saying one thing and the state's labs are saying another, and w- how do they make this decision? They're probably going to go with putting the guy in jail and seeing how it shakes out. That's what's happening you know, with this poor fella uh, in Brazos County, um, and I can understand where they're coming from. The other initiative that we're taking, Uh, And then I want to get back to the smokable hemp lawsuit that we're about to file. The other initiative we're taking uh, is to create an educational curriculum for law enforcement. Uh, That will be starting um, with a a, a new section of the state bar. Uh, Y'all might not know this, but David Sergi is a a board member of the Texas State Bar. They'll be creating a cannabis law section. And that cannabis law section's uh, purpose is to educate the lawyers, including prosecutors, district attorneys and the like, uh, about uh, hemp and hemp-derived products and what's legal and where the limits are. And we will also be talking to um, the police associations in hopes that we can begin educating police departments and sheriff's departments and individuals who don't know, uh, right? The, the federal farm bill required some education to go along um, with the legalization. And so far as I've been able to determine, and, and Hunter pointed this out with, uh, to me, there really hasn't been enough. And I I want to think that if that police captain up there in Corsicana had been educated properly, um, it, it, this whole thing for might not have happened to Hunter. Uh, this fellow that's in jail in Brazos County, and there's lots of others, uh, might not be where they are. So that, that's one of, the, uh, one of the projects that the Texas Hemp Federation is taking on. Um, and why don't we circle back around to the smokable hemp case? Is um, you know, the Supreme yeah, yeah, Court, sure. the, Supreme, the Texas Supreme Court ruled against Crown Distributing, uh, which had sued uh, to overturn a ban on smokable hemp, um, and they lost. Uh, I know Mike Magani at Crown Distributing very well. We worked together in the Texas Small Tobacco Coalition. Um he spent one point five million dollars litigating this case and he's headed to Oklahoma now, which is a, a shame. Um it is absurd, absurd that a Texas company is at a disadvantage versus an out of state company. Texas companies cannot manufacture or process smokable hemp or any other any other product, including Delta Eight or other cannabinoid-based vapes.
0: Yep. The vapes so what that banned. means
2: is but out of state, out of state companies, it's no problem. So what we have is kind of a, a, a the the commerce clause of the U.S. Constitution flipped on its head, where we have a commerce clause and the dormant commerce clause in particular, because states would enact anti-competitive laws that prevented foreign companies, meaning not not of that state, either yeah. across, uh, either overseas or other states. Um, discriminating against them in one way or another to give an advantage to an in-state corporation. Never, ever have I ever heard ever in all the of us going against I've our own done, interest. Yeah, uh, you you'll notice every presidential biography behind me. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a nerd basically. I'm a debate nerd. Just to be honest with you. Never heard of this happening before. And um, you know, so our legal team, the dream team, is right now uh, researching probable or or our likeliest pathways uh to get in front of a federal judge and seek an injunction um and and one of those arguments might be that the state has basically twisted uh the commerce clause uh in the constitution in a way that it can't do because it actually is interfering with interstate commerce in a, in a, in a round, in a backwards kind of way
0: and it blows my mind that This last session I brought forward during the House committee hearing, I mentioned, I was like, you know, it's my personal belief that if you wanted to sell a product in Texas and you had a physical retail shop, warehouse, thing of that nature, that you should be required to get a COA of your own. You should be required to send off a sample test and get your own COA. I don't care if you got it from a lab in state, you got it from a lab out of state. And the reason for that was we were seeing a lot of phony products showing up on Amazon, Uh, Crown Distributing, Wild Hemp. Wild Hempets was they had a lot there was a lot of phonies of their product showing up on Amazon and it was like well this would be a way I saw in my eyes it would kind of force Amazon to have to do something it's like well if this product's on your site you're gonna have to answer to our state now about this hemp product and where it's COA is at and I got backlash being told you can't do that that violates the commerce clause you can't stop people from bringing product into our state. And I was like, "Yeah, oh, you, know, you can't stop them from transporting it through the state, but as far as our retail
2: goes, don't we have control of our retail operations? We sure do. Um, it, look, you're talking about counterfeited products, right? Yeah. So that's That's an intellectual property uh, issue. That's a health issue. I'm not issue. saying that's, it's that, a health uh, issue uh, yeah, too.
0: Yes, <laughs> major you, one.
2: You might be su- you might be surprised though that basically. Oh. You can have a SWAT team come and kick in your door, arrest your employees, seize your safe, and take all of your inventory on what's basically a copyright and trademark infringement. That happened to a distributor in Houston in the Harwin district, where there's just lots and lots of uh, Indian and Pakistani owned distributors. Um, the, the, I'm not going to mention the company or the, the, the president's name, but he called to say that he had been buying uh, cake brand uh, vapor. Uh, vape products uh, from a, a, the same distributor that they looked absolutely identical, um, that they, you know, they, they had all of the, the right packaging. So he didn't know. Um, and this and, is a brand, you know, know, I, everybody
0: know who doesn't know. This is a brand that when they came out, they touted, we make boxes and packaging that can't be counterfeited. You can tell our product apart right. from everybody else's. And it's like one of the first ones that was like, that got counterfeited.
2: I mean, Easily, they probably didn't. They probably didn't think about it this way. But if you say something like that in public, someone's going to take it as a challenge.
0: Well, and the well, the silly thing yeah. was, I remember when it was done. They said we put QR codes on our boxes, and it's like anybody can go make a QR code. That's not impossible. Sure, they can. This isn't rocket science. Sure, they science. can. I mean, <laughs> it's
2: you know, it's um, it's the kind of thing that can be prosecuted after the fact. And if the if the consumer loses faith that that QR code is going to a legitimate COA that's going to really hurt the industry so we really have to address it in in some form or fashion the counterfeit issue is especially dangerous cuz you don't know what's in that vape product which um, is why and, we had the vape crisis that's exactly right i mean it you know but it happens that you know nicotine vape wasn't that the issue. wasn't what was causing the problem that wasn't the issue was at caused all. yeah it was caused by counterfeited uh basically marijuana vapes that contain vitamin E acetate that was screwing up people's lungs. But, uh, you know, our nation's news media, God bless their pointy little heads, uh, (laughs) made it all about, uh, all about nicotine vape, which again was harm reduction. You know, we have 45 million smokers in this country and nicotine vape is 50% more effective at getting people off of combustible cigarettes and according to the British healthcare system, ninety percent safer than combustible cigarettes. It's it, again absurd. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't make the laws. I just have to, you know, go out there and and point things out when they're when they're screwed well, I up.
0: To, I wanted. to – we got to wrap this up here in a moment to give you a chance. Any further thoughts you had? Anything you know? You got to get out there about the Hemp Federation. Plug y'all's website I, where people can go and donate.
2: Sure. Uh, Just please go to www.texashempfederation.com. I didn't make the site. Uh, If you want to join the Texas Hemp Federation, we are in recruitment season. Uh, We currently have something approaching 260 members from all of those different uh, segments that I told you about. Um, We're looking for uh, board members. We are looking for companies that are able to contribute mindshare. Uh, and manpower, uh, as well as money. Uh, none of this is cheap. Uh, as I told you, uh, Crown Distributing spent $1.5 million litigating their case. Uh, I don't know what our case is going to cost. The lawyers are going to give me a preliminary budget, hopefully day after tomorrow. And I, I need companies to step up, uh, Texas companies particularly. But I will be soliciting out-of-state companies, uh, probably at the Champs uh, trade show in Las Vegas at the end of this month, It is in their best interest that this not stand. Um, So uh, I'm talking to them. I'm talking to the guys at, at, you know, all of the big manufacturers, not going to name them, come and talk to me or or at least take my phone call uh, so that we can discuss why Texas is a pivotal state. The laws here matter. All the red states follow us. And we want to make sure that you can do business here as well.
0: Well, I thank you for your time. You coming here and joining us this evening. It's always a pleasure talking with you, Jay. You've always got great stuff to talk about. It's very, you're able to, you're like me. You're able to take a complex idea and a complex system and put it in layman's terms. Um, as some of do, the advocacy agencies call it legalese at times. Right. So I appreciate you're able to come here, do that for our guests. Like I guess it can't be me all the time. <laughs> I need a fresh voice to to spit this stuff out to people and reiterate it. So with that in mind. It is time to wrap up our show here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This week, I was joined by co-host Austin Zamhereri. This is episode 45. Our guest this week was Jay McGuire, the Texas Hemp Federation. We're hoping everybody has a safe week here in Texas. Stay hydrated because we're going to have 100-degree temperatures for like the next week and a half, two weeks, if not longer. Um, I'm not going to put out Ericot's advice of keeping your thermostat at 78 degrees because I sure the hell ain't doing that myself. I would sweat a swamp. (laughs) I would sweat a swamp in a week and I'd probably have a heat stroke. It's not happening in this home here in Austin. It wouldn't be happening out in the hill country. So y'all stay hydrated. Do what you can to stay cool. Everybody have a great week. Peace. Adios.